Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hailhorn Podcast. This is episode 12. Today's guest is Matt Evans. He is the booking manager for the Auditorium, a local venue here in Asheville. In my opinion, the most important one for local and regional bands, especially ones that are just starting out. So man, like being a booking manager, like what is a red flag for you when an email comes through saying, hey, we're looking to play a show here in town or something similar to that nature? So red flags for me are, um, and some of them aren't bad things. Like when people have basically like automated emails, you get like kind of like spam emails where they're obviously using some sort of system to just mass send out emails and there's no personality to it. And there's no, you know, like no identity to it. I also don't, you know, like a big red flag for me is when folks put the wrong venue name, (laughs) which happens more than you, you would think. And that's obviously just folks copying and pasting. And I mean, I've been on the other side of it where I've been in bands or played music where I've tried to get shows. So I get it. Those are big red flags for me. The band name is a big red flag for me sometimes because people have some crazy wild band names. Um, And then if people are just like out of the gate shooting some crazy politics that I don't agree with in the email, that's usually a red flag for me. Yeah. Did the band uh, Black Pussy ever email you guys to play? I don't think Black Pussy ever did. Um, I was just curious curious about that. Yeah, I don't think they did. And it's funny because... You know, I'm not going to name the venues, but I feel like they, they got flagged in one venue and then they played another venue and didn't. So I could be totally ignorant to that situation, but I feel like I remember when there was a huge uproar about that. I mean, rightfully so. But I try to be cognizant of that stuff. You know, like we promote the safe space and we promote this like um, kind of keep your closed mindedness out of our spot. So anything that I think is going to kind of pierce that, and if they do in the email, it's it's only going to get worse, right? So sure, yeah, yeah. That was just a that was just a, a thing out of curiosity on my end. I mean, yeah, I was uh, that name was like always just I always thought they named their band that just for like attention, you know? Because oh, I yeah. listened I listened to it and it was like pretty generic, like supposed to be like seventies rock, but it was like so generic. I was like, man, this is this isn't even interesting to listen to, let alone that name <laughs> just garnering attention. So yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty lazy band name. I mean, the venue the venue they played at isn't uh, in business anymore. It was at the um, where the uh, it was one of the, the was it New, New Mountain. Yes, that was it. Oh yeah, I remember the downfall of New Mountain. I actually got to snag one of the shows they had. They had the business from the UK, and it's funny, Jason. It's uh, I remember walking in after kind of brokering in a deal to get the business show at the auditorium. The business were like an old punk band. Um, oi punk band and i walked in the room <laughs> and good for them i mean whatever they were doing over there there were 12 there were about nine to 12 people sitting in a circle in the middle of the room and they were having a quote-unquote booking meeting oh okay so i was like so i was like wow this is like a coalition here um <laughs> fellow, fe- fellowship of the show <laughs> yeah you know anyway i thought that was interesting about new mountain that was such a big place like uh, capacity wise maybe it did take 12 people to book a show there um, but yeah, that, that name, I mean, I just, I'm not in, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I went to one, yeah, I went to one show at, um, New Mountain. It was, um, Anvil with, um, oh, yeah. with, uh, um, yeah, and, I, 
the reason I went was because of Lord Dying, because I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of theirs. But I stayed around for Anvil just to see what it was all about. And, man, those guys had, like, there was, like, nobody there, first of all. These guys, like, showed up on, like, a big yeah. tour bus and shit. I'm like, really? And it's like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty funny, but yeah, Lord Dying was they rule, man. I, I love that band. They've played the auditorium too. Yeah. Yeah, I like Lord Dying. And it's funny, Jason. I actually emailed Anvil after that show and I said, Hey, if you guys ever want to come back, let me do it. And we'll get some good bands on there and make it worth your while. Yeah. Um, but I never heard back from them, unfortunately. Uh, they probably got a sour taste in their mouth from the low turnout from the first time. It, I mean, and that happens. And I mean, that's happened at our spot too, where, you know, you promote the hell out of a show and then just folks don't show up. Uh, that's kind of like the problem of having so many, you know, the, the good side of Asheville is like, there's so many places to play. The bad side is there's a lot of stuff going on every night, you know? So you kind of have to be cognizant of the fact that I don't know if that was the case in that situation. I don't remember there being that many metal shows there, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of it can happen, right? Yeah, and I've had I've had bands email me back and say, "Hey, um, you know, we played Asheville one time. It was pretty bad. We don't want to come back." <laughs> These are so, honest, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, I feel fortunate to be at a point now where the auditorium's been doing what we've been doing for quite a while, where I can usually get the shows from folks requesting the shows instead of me chasing after the shows as much sure. as I used to. Um, but I mean, that's that's the thing that happens, man, where people just aren't into it and they aren't really into giving it another chance. And Nashville's kind of a weird market, you know, like um, you see it. I mean, in, in the metal world, it's it's just I don't know why, Jason, but everybody always wants to go when they come hit North Carolina. They always want to go to like Raleigh or Carborough. And it just makes I, I get it from a routing standpoint because I've done that touring a lot. But I just I don't know, man, like I wish more folks would give it another chance. Raleigh, I think, is the main one because it has so many venues that are like mm-hmm. geared toward metal, and like yeah. it kind of has a pretty good classic metal. Well, I wouldn't say that classic era, metal era, but like classic metal sound scene. Sure. Like, there's a lot of bands over there that are like in that like you know late seventies, early eighties style metal that I can see where the appeal is. But at the same time, you know, I mean, Yashville's good too. I mean, there's there's yeah. diehards here. You just gotta. You just got to know how to promote well and really let people know. I feel like it's a lot of the problem is like people don't really promote. They just like, they just rely on like the promoter or Facebook. And it's like, that's some of it, but you got to like mail flyers out to venues and record stores and, you know, stuff like that. You really got to do your research on where to, where to send your uh, flyers to. So you can actually get the word out, you know? I agree. And the most successful relationship or the most successful, um, formula for a show in my opinion and this is coming from a booking guy standpoint and a guy that books you know tours myself um or shows myself you have to have a good relationship with the booking agent you can't just rely on them to do everything but on the flip side it would really piss me off if i was in a band coming in from out of town and zero flyers were hung up anywhere for my show and the person just solely relied on facebook i mean so you got to know the market. Yeah. The most successful shows are the ones that, you know, get pushed online. They get pushed, you know, we, we handbills and flyers and someone who's really good at promoting shows is Elijah, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Blue mountain mischief productions. I think I said that right. He's really got that formula down and his shows are raging. You've really got the formula down. I mean, like when you do your shows at the auditorium, they're usually killer, man. I'll say, usually I'll say 98% of the time they're killer. 
but we have a good relationship. You know, like I, I feel like we help each other out though. Right. You know, it's like we help you, you help us. It all, you know, it kind of works. It's not just like, let me make a Facebook event and just let it sit idle and not let anything happen. Right. So you have to put the work in. Yeah, man, I agree dude. Like I don't even really do that much either. Like I know where to put flyers. I have that advantage mm-hmm. from then someone from out of town. So like, I know what to go down to like Lexington and like hit those mm-hmm. record stores. And then you hit like, there's a couple other places that you can like put a flyer up, you know, and then you got like a week to go. You need to go back and make sure they're still up because, you know, oh, yeah. people are going to start looking for something to do on the weekend. You got to make yeah. sure the mountain express has you mm-hmm. in the listings and it's spelled right. So people, you know, will see your name correctly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, cause we've been called a few things. from mistypes or whatever somebody actually thought we were a new chicken wing restaurant (laughs) one time shit you not excellent future flyer for a temptation yeah future flyer for a temptations wing show it will be a chicken shack chicken chicken shack yeah (laughs) but uh yeah man like i said the band Bands have to have a good relationship with the venues. Otherwise, mm-hmm. first of all, you're not going to get a show there. And second of all, it's beneficial for both parties. Like, you want people. They want people. They want to sell drinks. You want to sell merch. The better you do, the more people drink, the more likely they are to go buy some merch and regret it the next day. But Absolutely. as long as you got their money the night that you did it, you earned it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty true, man. Um, and I think just kind of getting your expectations out of the way when you come in, like, Hey, look, you know, I tell folks like all the time I'll get pitched some kind of bigger shows and I'll turn them down because we don't have the, I mean like the auditorium itself is a legal cap 99 room and you know it better than most is it's the room is kind of dissected by that bar. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a funky uh, feng shui going on there. Um, but on the flip side, it's a 99 cap bar. Like, it's not that hard to get bodies in, right? So yeah. the most successful bands that I've seen local that have kind of used the auditorium as a springboard, which is totally great. Um, they're the ones that put the work in with promoting the shows, realizing that it's a relationship with the, the actual venue um, and not rely the, hopefully me, Jason or Elijah, or whoever, you know, whoever I've got running the show isn't, um, solely relying on the band and hopefully the band's not solely relying on us, but there's definitely a teamwork aspect that has to come in there. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, everyone, everyone's going to benefit from a well-oiled machine. So yeah, absolutely. yeah always just, mm-hmm. just a hundred percent. You know, that's all you need to put. It's hundred percent. Yeah. Things will happen. So like when I book shows with you guys or anywhere in town, like the first thing I always do is like, look to make sure like the orange peel, or the moth light doesn't have any metal booked because mm-hmm. I think you agree like metal in this town is very unappreciated. And if you just take that attention away from a bigger, shinier object, you're not going to have a very good turnout. So I would say, no, I agree. I would say when you have a date in mind, always check the bigger venues to see if anything's booked there first in the same genre that you're playing in, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, and you said it, it's whenever you have a date in mind and I try to do this on, you know, part of my job is I try to like research and make sure that I'm not going to compete, compete with something. It's either at a bigger spot like the orange pill or even just a place down the street from us, you know, like Fleetwoods is a place down the street from us. The moth lights, a place down the street from us. 
So I really try to like think ahead and look at their calendars. That's the fortunates of them being so far ahead of me sometimes um, yeah. with their booking is that I can kind of gauge it. But I agree, man. Like you definitely don't want to, there's only so much of the pie for folks to eat, you know, that's kind of why, you know, we do a lot of drag shows and we do a lot of burlesque shows and those are becoming more prominent. I'm not saying we're the first to do those, but we, you know, that, that, that fills up my calendar a lot is the burlesque and drag shows. But part of that is to kind of keep the music, you know, like everybody can be playing music everywhere else. And then we kind of have our own thing going on down here. And then I try to be really in tune to the places that are close to us. So we don't double dip. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps when people just kind of realize, you know, this is going on here. So we're not going to do this tonight because nobody's going to show up. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's a thing, right? Like people, people don't want to play shitty shows. And the, the downside of it is um, when it's a small venue and, you know, we predominantly there for a while, at least we were booking smaller touring bands that folks didn't know. So you have to kind of rely a lot. Me, I have to rely a lot on the local talent. And sometimes I have to have those hard conversations with folks like, hey, you know, we usually there's door money to be had. It's not a lot. You know, folks aren't into not getting paid sometimes. And I totally understand that. You know, man, my thing is like um, when I find the bands for like Steel and Stone, it's like the hardest, the hardest bands to book are like the two opening bands. Mm-hmm. So. It's because like there's this, sometimes there's ego involved. Like I've been told before twice, like, no, fuck you. I'm not opening a show at the auditorium. We've played there a hundred times. I was like, yeah, but you're missing a point. I was like, I'm not asking you to open up just cause I think you suck. I'm asking <laughs> you to open up because first of all, I had like, I've had like every band on the bill in the past three years already. And sure. usually the opening two bands have some of the best crowds. Oh, after yeah. one just kind of disperses or comes back later. So I was like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to sound like an arrogant, but like, I'm, I'm kind of doing you a favor. Cause I know you're going to have a pretty good turnout, but some people just don't see it that way. So I always look for new bands yeah. that like formed like, Hey, you want to open up? And they usually jump on it. And it's like, dude, here's the money payout. Like you get like, after the headliner gets paid, you get like X amount of what's left over from, for the local band pool. And then the mm-hmm. out of town bands get a little bit more to cover gas and, so that's, that's how I do it. And yeah, it seems to work so far. <laughs> yeah. So good. And absolutely. And I mean, like when I play shows, like I don't hate the first slot. Usually the first lot folks are there, they're ready to rip. I mean, they're, you know, they're still not completely drunk yet. They know what's going on and you get to like be done and then kind of just hang out. <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, honestly, yeah. like, go ahead. No, no, no. That's, that's, that was my thought. <laughs> oh, so like, yeah, when we have first slot, like sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Like we get there early. We take our time setting up. We can sound check really well. You can like stretch mm-hmm. out and get loose. Like drink a couple of beers. Like when you start, yeah. people actually come in because they're, they've been waiting for something to happen. So yeah. And then, like I said, when you get done, you know, you don't have to be packing up while the headlining band is playing. You just, uh, you're already packed up and it sounds better because you've been drinking. If you drink, so yeah, I mean, I'll, there's a lot of advantages to playing first, but middle is definitely the the most preferred as far as lineup yeah. goes for me. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't scoff at being offered an opening slot. Yeah, and you know, honestly, that's the thing for me is like when we have touring bands, you know, if it's not a fest, like you and I work on sometimes together, and when I say that, it's usually you work on and then you bring it to me, and then I just kind of say thank you. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> man, it's part uh, of it because I can't do it without permission. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the um, ideally the shows, you know, are three three band shows, right? And if mm-hmm. I have a touring band, like I hate to put them first or last. I always like to put them in the middle, so I always have to have that conversation. We're not always. I sometimes have to have the conversation with folks of, hey, you know, you're going to need to play either first or last. And they're like, well, what about middle? I'm like, well, I kind of want people to be there so they can watch the touring band. And I don't, Jason, I don't know how people, other venue bookers do it. Um, But, you know, Jason Crunk and I come from a background of being in DIY bands, right? Like DIY punk bands, metal bands. So we run the auditorium and I booked the auditorium the same way that I would have booked my house you know, 12 years ago. So I've always had that kind of mentality. Now, if we have like a bigger band come through, obviously they're going to headline because people will stick around. Um, But now, yeah, order is a big thing. And I mean, that's a contentious topic with folks sometimes. And sometimes you just can't agree on it. Are there any local bands around here without naming names that like just don't play there anymore because of that reason? I think there are. I think we've definitely... um, I've had folks, I don't know if they just don't know that I'm the person behind the emails. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I come to the auditorium very infrequently these days. Um, and not on a, not for a reason. It's just, I, I got a busy life and I'm always working. So the thing is, man, with my job there, like I'm always plugged in and I'm always working. Like I never, you know, emails are always coming through. I'm always trying to line stuff up. I'll go in if I have to, but I've had people be like, you know, like back when it was the get down, they would call it the let down. Right. So that was the thing. I'm like, the PA situation is a thing where some folks, it's not loud enough, right? Sometimes. And I get that. Um, people definitely, yeah, I think to answer your question in a very non-long-winded way, absolutely. People don't play there because of that. People really complain about the PA. Oh, uh, yeah, all the time. No and shit. Man, yeah, that place is so you know, small. It is, man. But I think the problem is like a lot of folks want to come in with too much. Like I'll, I'll pop in sometimes, like I just said. And people have like two half stack or yeah. a full stack or something. I'm like, you don't need a full stack in here. Like what's going on? Like I get, you want to be supreme and loud, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a thing. It's something I have to work with. You know, I, like I know there's other venues in town that have really amazing rooms. Right. And then Jason does what he does at the auditorium to the best that we can do it. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, people definitely have complaints. Those are the ones I usually hear. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there'll be, you're always going to have folks that are going to, you know, not want to, they kind of outplay or they've kind of grown up or something like that. And I've kind of come with to the realization over time of like, okay, cool. This is like a, for a lot of bands, this is like, they see this as like a stepping stone. Right. And I'm okay with that. Sure. I always joke first, first shows, last shows and benefits, man. That's my, that's my gig. <laughs> so we're a good first show first show place it's where people people can try it out i remember one time i had a group of kids like literally kids maybe they were 15 or 16 and it was going to be their first show ever like of all time so that that makes up for that excitement makes up for those folks that kind of get burnt out really easy on playing there and i'm thinking it's probably they're like that for other venues too not just us right so yeah yeah there's only a handful to go around and once you keep playing the actual circuit you just get burnt out on all of my guess yeah and I, and I mean, too, like, you know, you have bands that play eight shows a week, if that's even a thing, right? Because there's only seven days a week. And it's like, you know, some 
some people get the formula, some people don't. And then, but I'm always on the flip side because I have to have, you know, I need bands to play shows. So it's always a push pull, but I, I mean, I, I dig what, I dig what's going on, man. I really love the Asheville scene. I always have. Yeah. I was going to ask you next, like, do you wish there was more bands around here so you could like space out asking when bigger bands come through or just any band comes through? You know, man, it ebbs and flows, right? So, like, sometimes, like, I think when I first, so I've been in Asheville since 2005, and I think I got really active in the music scene around 2000, in my mind, I mean, maybe not, 2006 was when I really started kicking and booking shows. At that time, there was, like, there was a ton of, like, punk bands, let's say, right? Like, or, you know, kind of aggressive rock bands, punk bands. There was a time when there were a ton of metal bands, and so it just kind of ebbs and flows, man. So, yes and no, like... If I know that there's not going to be that many bands available, I just don't do the show, right? Like I don't, because my goal is for if a touring band hits me up for a show to try to make the show the best that I possibly can for them. Um, and if there's no locals around to do the show, I usually just say, hey, you know, there's not that many locals right now and or the locals are playing a lot. Um, it might not be the best thing. Let's maybe hit me up next time. So yes and no, like I do wish there were more bands, but I know that there will be more bands later, right? So like a yeah. big thing right now feels like for me is like kind of this like indie hip hop thing, which is good for them. You know, it's not my thing, but I do their shows and their shows are very well attended. Um, everybody's having fun for the most part. It seems like someday I know those kids are going to do something else. Right. So they're going to be in punk bands or metal bands. Right. And then that scene will be good again. But there could be I, mean, I think there could be more bands. There could always be more bands. In my opinion, <laughs> I mean, I also, I also like who's here because it's like a big old family too. You know, it's like everybody kind of gets along with each other for the most part. The only problem is like, I'm, I was in three bands at one point and people are like this. It's like all the members of some, in some scenes, all the members of the bands are in every band. <laughs> so if you, if they can't play or something, you know, if one person can't do it, then that knocks out like three bands. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's a meme on Facebook. It's like, if you kill one drummer, you, you eliminate 172 bands in that area. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's kind of true. Even though I'm just a one band kind of drummer myself. So, yeah. Speaking of memes, it's funny, man. There's like a, I don't know if you've seen it or not. There's like an Ash. It's called Asheville DIY memes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's these guys, that make it's just they just kind of joke and shit, I guess, or they're true. I don't know. But there were there was this point in time where there was a lot about the auditorium, man, like a ton of memes. Like I can't like I, I can't remember any good ones, but they used to make me laugh so much, um, and I love it, right? Like I think like it's like oh, playing another empty room show at the auditorium. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess that's uh, I guess people if they like you enough to make a meme. But then again, like the people in that group always play the bar. They play the bar all the time. So it's it's funny. Yeah. My ongoing joke with the other guys is if they would just ban smoking, like cigarette smoking. Oh, right. I think uh, I think a lot of people would just hang out inside because there would be nothing to do outside. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like you go out while a band's playing and it's like, man, there's more people out here smoking than there is in there watching. It's like, yeah. if all those bodies would just be inside, it, it would be a pretty crowded uh viewing area but yeah it kind of makes you wonder sometimes like why people are at the show 
Exactly. If, if it's like, did you pay a cover to come smoke? smoke? Or, you know, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, to each their own. So it is what it is. You know, it's, it's up to me and it's up to you, like people like us to kind of figure out what, you know, how can we adjust to that, right? Like, so what, what do we need to tweak to make people more interested in what's going on, right? So, I mean, I get it. To a point. Just, uh, outdoor performances in the summer, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but then you're kind of struggling with, yeah, I mean, it's like anytime we try to have an outdoor thing, it's like, well, we have to get a permit. And then even if you get a permit, like you're pissing somebody off because it's kind of pseudo uh, in a residential neighborhood. And yeah. I don't know if you remember, but like when we started, the stage was on the other side of the bar. So we moved it to the other side of the bar to quit pissing people off. Yeah, I don't know, man. But that's what I love about it, right? Like, so I always, you know, like I love just trying to figure out a way to have a cool thing, right? Like do a show. I love music. I love the people that do it. How can we make it cool, right? And I know it might not seem like it all the time because it's just the calendar is always going and we have a lot of the same bands and swings. And But every once in a while, man, we'll have some cool shit. Like I had Tim Capella, the Lost Boys guy. Um, that was like the last show we had for the most part before all the COVID-19 stuff had. And it was incredible, man. It was like packed out the ass. I think I did like the most pre-sales I've ever done. Um, everybody had a good time. All the, like I put like two metal bands on the show. I put a uh, unicorn was one of them. And the, uh, who did I put else? Who else did I put on? There? Oh, uh, the dazzler I put on there who were like a kind of a local punk weird band. Um, and everybody watched every band. It's like, those are the nights that make it for me that kind of like, the nights that I know that I've got a killer band that I love playing the bar and everybody's outside smoking, like the shows, like yep. the Tim Capello thing, like kind of make up for it. So, okay. But now I'm actually pretty fascinated by your end of the, of the spectrum as far as music goes. Cause I just don't do it. You know, I was like, wonder how Matt like handles the situation like a, B or C what the behind the scenes stuff is like when you, when y'all like book shows or bring in mm-hmm. big bands and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of times like folks like just talking like money, right? Like a lot of times we're a small room, man. And the thing that I hate the most is like, it's a, but don't get me wrong by me saying that. Cause I love the auditorium. I've been there since day one. It's like everything that I love, right? It, it, it's as much as me as I am yet. Right. I wish we were in a place where, and maybe it's a business model I need to help work with where I can offer more guarantees like straight out of the gate. But mm-hmm. I try to, you know, like I've learned over the years to kind of stray away from super big stuff because I know I'll have to charge like a $15 door cover or something like that. And I don't want people to have to pay that, at, you know, a place that like we have. So I usually just try to be upfront with folks. Um, Cause you'll have a lot of folks hit you up. That's another thing, Jason, I should say, like if it's a band I've never heard of and they send me an email and they're like, Hey, we want $1,200 we want a $1,200 guarantee on a Wednesday night. We've never played Asheville. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a thing that happens, man. Like all the time. And I'm like, you know, good for you. And I think as someone who's on the other end of that, I keep saying that as someone who I, I kind of pride the auditorium on the fact that it's a venue made up of people in bands. Right. Yeah. So like we kind of know on the flip side, I would never in my right mind go on tour and to a place I've never played and be like, Hey, can I get $1,500 on a Wednesday night? <laughs> you know, anyway, and knowing that they're, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to be the one doing all the work on it um, and then finding the bands for it. And it's probably going to be the local bands that are going to bring the people out more so than the touring band. But then that's kind of the thought process when the email comes through, like, how is this formula going to work? Right. Like, 
is it going to be beneficial for the bar? Is it going to be beneficial for the local bands? Is it going to be beneficial for the touring bands? I mean, those are all thoughts that kind of go into it. And honestly, man, like I've been booking shows for like probably since 2006, 2007. And then I've been doing it full time at the auditorium since 2013. So I've got a rhythm going. So I kind of know how to weed all that stuff in and out. But the thing that I've found the most, and I've said it before, and I can't say it enough, is like you invest in people, right? Like you invest in your relationships with people because that will always make things go so much smoother if you're just kind of out there jocking emails and, you know, just hoping it works. But there was a point in time where I was like pursuing bigger shows and it just wasn't mathematically working for folks, right? Like it's just people had to pay too much money to get in the door because we have such a low cap. Um, I would like maybe even overextend the cap and have like 120 people in and it just wasn't like a thing. So you have to like one time I had to think outside of a box, Jason, like, and I know I'm just kind of rambling on here, but no, it's fine. there was a, there was a situation once where there was this band called Andrew Jackson Jihad. Um, I think they're called AJJ. Now I knew there were a band that I liked and I knew they were a band that folks would come out and see. I don't know if I should say this, but like UNCA had a budget where they were going to fly AJJ out from wherever they lived to play. Right. So I hit AJJ up on the back end. I was like, Hey, I saw that you're playing UNCA. Do you want to come to the auditorium and play a show for like $3 at the door? I'll give you a hundred percent of the door. And what we can do is I know that it's going to oversell. So what if you guys played two sets, one set inside, one set outside and man, it worked perfect. And they were so cool with it. I mean, they made a lot of extra money on top of their show at UNCA. We weren't really stepping on anybody's toes because they had already done their UNCA show. I I didn't really try to over promote UNCA, but those are the kind of things I'm I'm talking about, man. Like you got to, you know, kind of think outside the box a little bit sometimes. Um, But yeah, you're talking about like a process for A, B, and C. It's like, you know, it kind of changes depending on the situation. There's some like wild shit that will come through my inbox, man. Like, um, I think Hacksaw Jim Duggan came through one time. Oh, no kidding. If you remember him, like the old, <laughs> the old rapper, he was doing like a stand-up comedy thing. Yeah. And I was like, as much as I think that would be cool, it just would not work. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then the whole Tim Capello thing, like I'm sitting there at my desk one day and I'm like, oh my God, it's the guy that played that sax scene in The Lost Boys. That would be killer. Um, so it's just, you know how it is, man. Like a lot of singer-songwriters – there's like 4 million singer songwriters out there. Good for them. Um, yeah. And honestly, since COVID-19 hit, I haven't been booking anything because I don't know when we're going to open again. I don't know even when we are allowed to open, if we're going to want to have shows for a minute. Um, but, but the booking email has pretty much died. It's like a ghost town right now. So yeah, Jason, Jason, I talked to him a while back. I did some work over at his house for him and, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that they had June booked, but it was probably going to be canceled. So they're just like, yeah. they're just like keeping what's on the books now. And then, like as the month comes up, they just like, I guess they just decide whether or not to keep it or just tell the people it's canceled. So yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty up in the air right now. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's been, man. Like I'll try to keep three months on the books, right? Like I'll try to book three three months ahead because if you go longer than that, stuff changes. Um, and our size venue, right? Yeah. So I've basically just been pushing shows out. Like I reach out to all the folks and just say, Hey, obviously we can't open. We, we might not want to open. Let's shoot for August. So that's kind of where I've been, but it's really weird not to be like <clears throat> booking shows 
actively every day. I'll be honest with you. Since 2013, I've been plugged in. It's pretty weird not to have any options to go to shows nowadays, too. I have to say, yeah. it's it's like my wife shared a like a memory. We went to the Orangeville last year. I was like, man, I was like, uh, <laughs> can't believe we used to do stuff like that. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. There was it's a like time a, when people another time. <laughs> yeah, there was a time when people used to play instruments in front of people. Yeah, in the same yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, people would pay to see it. <laughs> oh, what's your thoughts about like? 2021 booking do you think um do you think big bands are gonna try to like shore up dates no matter what and just start hitting smaller venues or anything like that or do you think it's just gonna be like i don't know do you think it's gonna be really tough to book shows in 21 after all this delay and for this year you know that merit that very may well be the case and there's so many different markets like you know we're on a very we're like a very small room so folks that are going to be playing like the Thomas Wolf Auditorium or the Orange Pill, they're obviously going to take the most, the first available date they can. And I'm hoping right. that we come out at the end. And that's the, you're right. 2021 is the day that I keep hearing that like all the big shows are going to come back. I don't know, man, though. Like it might just burn itself out because so many bands are going to try to just squeeze so much stuff in there. I don't know, man. It's hard to tell. That's why, like I say, we're taking it like day by day, you know? But like the Metallica concert down the street, you know, where like 60,000 people are going to come. I have yeah. no idea when that would happen again. Right. See, my thinking was like the big bands, I think, are just going to like engulf all of the mm-hmm. venues in an area, just trying to hold dates. And I think it's just going to be a pain in the ass to try to book next year for a band our size or regional, you know. I mean, it very well could be, but I'm hoping that some of the venues are kind of aware of that. I mean, obviously, like, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Orange Pill, I could be completely wrong, but I know at one point the Orange Pill was booked through AC Entertainment where they basically have like the monopoly on the bigger venue, bigger shows in the town. So they're working all those algorithms and shit on the back end, right? So um, hopefully venues are aware of the fact that there, there's a need and a want and a demand for local bands, regional bands to play their venue. So hopefully they're carving out a spot for that. If that makes, you know, if that makes any sense at all, like hopefully places are like reserving some, some seats for someone like Temptations Wings or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, on the flip side of that though, if a big band does start booking venues, like the size of the auditorium or the moth light or, you know, the gray Eagle, um, at least there might be a way for local bands to play on these shows. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. so Absolutely. Great Eagle is pretty good about getting back to you at least. That we've been on a few shows there as local support for some big bands too. And then the Moth Light, if Ray invites us there, we play there, but I never really had any luck booking there or getting on a show, you know, without Ray's assistance. But I mean, sure. you guys, like, you know, I just see a band, it's like, holy shit, let me hit Matt up real quick, see his room on this. And, you know, it's like, yes or no right away. It's like, sweet. So, yeah, that's my, I try to be like, I try to respond very like I've got a you know, I've got the auto on my email. I don't know if you've ever hit me up via the email before, but I have an auto that says, Hey, I try to take the time to listen to everything. If I don't get back to you within five days, assume that we're booked. And that's always the case. Um, or most of the time that's the case where I'm just, I get so many emails and we're booked, but yeah, like I hate booking shows on the side of being in a band and it taking like, two weeks or three months or something to hear back from a venue because that's just not efficient. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like I'd rather hear no than nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like just just send me just set me loose. Let me look elsewhere. Say hang on for hope. You know, mm-hmm. and because I mean, if you hear no, you can like kind of do your tour routing a little bit better. It's like okay, so like City A isn't available, but City B isn't really too much farther out of the way. So let me try them now. You know, oh, yeah. and like when you don't hear nothing. Like two weeks, there's a lot of booking that could happen in two weeks. If you don't hear nothing from like venue A, and then venue B fills up and they that screws you out, and then you gotta go to venue C or just say fuck it because it's too damn oh, far, you know. So, yeah, yeah, these venue owners that don't respond, dude, that's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> but I'll also add, Jason, and you know this from booking Still in Stone, bands also like to take their sweet time on responding yes or no when you and I both know. <laughs> It is not that hard to say, hey, guitarist, bassist, drummer, are you available such and such date to play a show? It's really quick. There was a point in time, man, where I used to just email every member of a band and be like, hey, you guys want to play this show? That way I knew that no one was going to kind of go around what was going on, right? So bands also like to take the sweet time. And what kills me is like when I ask a band that would be perfect for a show and it takes them so long to respond back. And then they finally say, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, Oh, it's too late now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I get that on the venue side. It's like, hopefully it's not like a better than now situation. It's hopefully that they just, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's my duty as a guy that manages the booking at a venue show space place to let the people know whether or not we have the date open or not. So it's like kind of part of my gig, right? Like, yeah. You email me for a show, I say yes or no. And then if it's a no, then we try to figure out how to make a future date work. Or, um, But most of the time, like if I've got a big band coming through, which is, you know, it happens frequently, um, I'm more than welcome and happy to have someone like y'all play it. So it's usually me on the other end, like begging people to play. <laughs> and they're like either taking too long or they've got a show earlier that week or something like that. So, yeah. So real quick about the steel and stone, like when I first started doing it, like I didn't know anything about like doing stuff like that. So I hit up like quite a few bands, like pretty decent sized bands. I would be like, how much would you charge to come play? Mm-hmm. And it, dude, it was like, like someone was like 500. I think I had one that was like 800. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, this ain't working out. So yeah. what I started doing the next year was I'm going to, I was like, I'm just going to say I have X amount Mm-hmm. And if you want to play, this is a guarantee. And actually, dude, that's been working way better for me. Just, just putting money on the table. Be like, you can play for this <laughs> if you want it. You know, it's yours. And mm-hmm. I've never had a problem finding a headlining band since ever. Like they're Absolutely. just like, yeah, sounds good. You know, because it's a. I always tell them like it's not worth it if you just do a one one off show to come down here. But if you're touring, yep. you know, it's pretty good payday. So. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Because you know it's going to be a good time, right? Like we always do those shows on Saturdays. Yep. Folks usually always come out. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you open that conversation, it's like, yeah. I mean, like folks are going to try to get the most that they possibly can. And I, you know, I, mean, I get it. Cause yeah, I get you're it. You're asking them to play. But you're definitely finding out that there's ways to go about it. Um, and obviously now it's still in some gains a reputation of like being this awesome fest, people are going to want to play it, you know? So that's kind of where you're at. 
Yeah, actually, I get a lot of requests from like out of state bands, like far away too. They're like, "Yeah, we want to be on it," but I was like, "Well, I was like, I'll be honest with you, I was like, it doesn't pay very much." And I was like, mm-hmm. "It pays more than exposure, but <laughs> it's not yeah. much more." So, yeah. I mean, if you want, if you're like on a tour or something, wanted to swing through because you need a date, that's fine. But if you're just like looking to just play a festival, this this isn't the festival for the prestige. It's very DIY, you know. Mm-hmm bands are yeah. just kind of no names except for the headliner kind of kind of thing so oh sure but i mean there's also ways to go about it and i think you've been smart about it in the past where you get sponsors right like to pay for something that frees up yep. some more cash for something else and i mean yeah just let it evolve to be a thing but you're right i mean it does pay more than exposure and then um <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean it's a, i would i don't know if i'd drive down from michigan in a one-off um, and no, I've no, definitely no. had folks do that before. Like I've had bands, like we've had last shows for bands here and I've had bands drive all the way from like Rhode Island to come play a show just because they really like the band. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I, you know that I'm only gonna be able to pay like 200 bucks or something. Right. So, but yeah, that's the conversation, man. I mean, it's always kind of, but they see hopefully like that, that, those, that group of bands that you get on still on stone, it's such a good group of bands, man. It's like such an awesome, like it's just such a good night, right? Like everything makes sense. And like all the bands are kind of at the same level, right? And like everybody, it's like a family type thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm very well, proud of what you've done. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. The idea behind it was like, let's like have bands that like, I think would dig each other, play a show and get contact information and swap shows in each other's respective cities so like you know i got three locals but then i also have three out of town bands so like you know like a band from johnson city a band from columbia that would never play with each other otherwise that i think would like be really good pair then they could play each other's city have a have a way in through a band contact Mm-hmm. You know, and then also in return, we get like five return shows in a year if we really wanted to push it, hopefully, and it works out good for us too. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that's, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Like the whole network that you're creating there where it's like, you know, music is built on relationship and, you know, at our level show swapping, right? So you book a show for someone and then hopefully they reciprocate the favor in another town. And I mean, that's how it goes, man. That's, that's how a lot of bands do it. And I always love for the auditorium to be that place for folks, right? Like you can guarantee Jason that if I have a night open and someone needs it and I can find the locals, it's theirs. Right. So. Yeah. The auditorium is a good man. Cause the, the load ends easy. The parking lot's pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not the worst place you play in town by far, you know, but it's just, yeah. it's just a good feeling like the, the whole freak show, uh, decor you know on the other oh, side yeah. always like people remember it you know like i was talking to a dude the other day that played in howling giant and he was like man he's like i had the best time just like walking around looking at the weird stuff and it's like i couldn't believe it was all for sale you know and i was like yeah every bit of it is just about so like it's it's pretty it's some pretty wacky shit that gets coming through there every once in a while <laughs> i don't know where it comes <laughs> from i just don't ask questions <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some Justin who does Dark and Deviant. He puts a lot of the stuff in there, and it's awesome. <laughs> just the crazy shit that they come through. They come through with. Um, yeah, I think it adds. And the thing is, like, that was my favorite place to play 
when I was like very heavily active in bands in town, that was my favorite place to play. But then again, I was someone that would try to put the work in and help the venue not have, a, you know, like shows where 10 people would show up. It would be packed, you know, it'd be good sized turnout. And it yeah. was so much fun, man, because you're just right there in it with folks. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to deal with the curmudgeon that is Jason Crunk. But other than that, I mean, it's a pretty all right place. <laughs> <laughs> you think Jason's a curmudgeon? Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I actually, I love Jason. I've known Jason the, almost the whole time I've been here. Um, so it's always, it, I love that we get to work together now. Yeah, he actually, um, the first time we played the auditorium, I think it was still to get down at the time. Mm-hmm. But he hit me up out of the blue. And he's like, man, I've noticed you guys never played here before. I think that's kind of strange. But um, you want the opening of the show. It was a band called, uh, oh, what? I don't remember what their name was now. One of the dudes from Pelican was in the band. And uh, yeah, man, like it just started from there, dude. Like it was just like the best email I've got, you know, ever yeah. for this band because the things we've built, been able to do at that venue. Like we opened up for Black Tusk there. We opened yep. up for uh, Conan when you let us. We opened up for yep. Night Demon twice. Yep. Um, and uh, not to mention, this shows we've booked for various things like CD release or whatever. So yeah, I mean like that was the best email I've ever gotten. And you know, is getting it, getting our foot in the door there. Yeah. And that makes me feel good, man. And I hope folks don't feel like that. We're like some sort of elitist people that only let certain people play. Cause I try not to promote that at all. And Jason does the same thing. Some stuff just doesn't work well there. Right. Like I mentioned hip hop earlier. Like if it's a lot of stuff that has to deal with like a bunch of electronic stuff going on in the background, it usually doesn't do well there. Cause this, you know, the sound system that we have, but otherwise, I mean, it's like a pretty good plug and play kind of place. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The half stacks get a little much at times, but you know, people like to have mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I've gone in there before and like, I think Acris is someone that does it and good for them, but there's just bands that <laughs> have like walls of amps. Um, and I'm like, all right, cool. No one's going to be able to hear any vocals tonight. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my thought about that was if you have a full stack, just plug in one cabinet. If you yeah. just do it for the aesthetics, if it's aesthetic you're going for, it's cool, but just plug in one cabinet because to be honest, like one is plenty, you know, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, if you have two guitarists, you know, it's even, it's even, it's twice as loud. And then of course the bass player has to really crank up because he's been drowned out. And then the drummer, Luckily, it's um, most of it's mic, so it's not too bad. But yeah, it gets a uh, it gets a little wishy washy in there sometimes, sound wise. Some of these bands. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. All right, uh, who would you say would be the biggest band that you've booked there so far? Um, the biggest band we had. Let's see. The auditorium had the guitar player from Marilyn Manson once. Uh, John Five? Nope, not oh. uh, not that wild guy. Uh, older guitar player. Oh, okay. Um, I wouldn't know that one. Probably. Let's see. I had. I mean, Circle Takes a Square were pretty big. They played there once. Um, when Jason books Black Tusk, that's usually a pretty good draw. Um, I think we had. Man, we've had so many shows over the years. Um, but just. I've had people that have played the bar and then completely blown up before. 
there's one guy called um, Amigo the Devil is a person that played the bar there, and I'm pretty sure he played to a very small room. He is now huge. Um, probably Elvis Presley's pretty big in the scene that he runs in. It's like kind of an indie lo-fi kind of thing. Um, but just shows that we've booked where I'm like, holy hell, how do we get – I mean, Jeff the Brotherhood, I mean, they're pretty – they're pretty rocking and they always pack the place out and they're pretty big in their little scene. We've always wanted to get Juliet Lewis in there. And I think if I can ever get there, get her in there, um, I could very easily answer this question instead of kind of beat around the bush. But, that the, that's the actress, uh, right? Oh yeah. She's got a band called yeah. the licks and Amy and Tammy are queer folks who own the bar and they absolutely just love her. So um, I would love to make that happen one day somehow, even if I had to be like, how much do I have to pay you just to fly down and basically assemble a band for you? <laughs> um, who else did we have? Um, I think Sloppy Seconds played there once. They were pretty big. But I can't remember if that was the Get Down Days or the Auditorium Days. We had someone booked with me. I think it might have been Josh Rosenstein. Jason might have been involved. We had... Um, the guy from Neurosis in there, he played a show. Um, Scott Kelly. I was I was actually yeah. at that show with uh, Joe Buck. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Joe Buck's pretty big in his little circle. I guess that's it, man. I mean, I know I'm forgetting somebody. And it's funny. I, we did this digital compilation thing, and I looked through all the flyers from all – you know, we have a way of making our Facebook page basically be the monthly flyer. So it's like a really good way to see who always played the bar. Mm -hmm. And there's been on some folks that are like, how in the hell did we get them to play there? Cause it's such a small room. Like really had to like oversell what we had. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's somebody, I don't know, man. I think that's, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head right now. When we played with Conan there, that was mm -hmm. the first time that year we, we, we played with them. We we uh played on the same day they played uh, Maryland Doom Fest also when we played mm -hmm. that last year. The guy, John Davis, the singer, or I, I guess the main guy, he was telling me like how much fun he had playing at the auditorium. Like he didn't care that it was like a small venue. Like he he like remembered like how fun it was and mm -hmm. really like bragged on you guys about like just how welcoming and professional and everything it was. You know, oh, good. I didn't. He didn't care about the capacity or nothing. He just knew everyone had a good time. And actually, I don't know if you know or not, but they had to quit early because, like, that crowd starting getting pretty damn, pretty <laughs> damn crazy in there, man. I was like, I got a little nervous yeah. myself, and you know, I was like, uh, I think I poked, I poked in there that night, and it was pretty, it was pretty packed. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a dude got oh. like knocked out or something, like just yeah. hit the wall or some that's shit. No, yeah, that's no good. Yeah. We had the Jenna torturers once. They were pretty big, and that was a weird one. And I basically just booked the, this band called the Jenna Torturers, who were like a kind of like a industrial esque thing from the eighties, nineties. And I basically just booked them for Chris, our door person. <laughs> okay. But I mean, the show obviously sold. The show sold out. It was awesome. Um, but they were a pretty big band. Um, and I, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I don't. I could chase bigger bands and I don't want to, I don't mean that derogatory for the bands that actually play there. Like I could chase super popular bands. It's just, I don't have the big enough room to make it worth their while. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah. next year, next year you might, if it's really crowded, cause yeah. I really have a feeling 21 is going to be a free for all and trying to book shows wherever you can. So mm -hmm. who knows, you know? 
We've had, but man, there's something I'm forgetting. And I think, I don't know if it's just because I've been working all day. Uh, <laughs> we've had some shit kind of just squeeze through like on sheer luck, like kind of like the AJJ thing. Um, bands have just like either come through and had a show fall through and then we had to book them last minute. We've had stuff like that happen before and it's always been a good time. Um, and I just, they're just totally escaping me right now. But uh, like, like, holy shit, how did we get this band to play there kind of thing? I mean, the business were a big punk band. That was like a big thing when we got them from that New Mountain deal. Um, kind of, so you know, people were packed out. It was packed out. Um, that was a big thing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we don't have Aerosmith or anything like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't need Aerosmith of this modern era for sure. <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> if I can, you know, like... I get a lot of emails about people that were once big, like really big that aren't anymore. Yeah. Um, someone like a rat, like if I could get rat to come through, that could be cool. Oh dude, if you, got, if you got rat to come through, make sure you, <laughs> make sure you hit up uh, Joel uh, for his band. Dude. That would be a perfect match. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd be there too. Just cause you know, I've seen them before uh, in Cherokee when they used to have the bike rallies down there. Uh, it was a good time, you know. Yeah. I guess getting them to the other side of this, the pendulum on that one, what would you say is the biggest band that you thought you had and missed out on that's booked there? Um, like the fact that like they, I didn't, I didn't book them and they went somewhere else and did really well or. Yeah, that, or like they just found another venue and it was closer town that had a bigger, capacity or anything like that like i know you guys had baroness at one time almost mm-hmm. booked to play because josh rosenstein was telling mm-hmm. me and like they didn't play because i think it was like they had like two days a week they didn't play and i think it was like a monday and thursday or something and like the show would have been on a monday so they just like went somewhere else or something yeah. like that if memory serves me correct but that would have been, been killer dude for baroness to play yeah. there when the I think when the auditorium very first started, Big Boy, the rapper Big Boy, oh really, <laughs> was looking. He was going to do an after show somewhere, right? Okay, because he played the Orange Pill or the Civic Center or something. And I had emailed; they were looking for somewhere to play, and I had emailed them. And I think I was either texting with or emailing the booking agent, um, but I just could not make it work. That was a big one. That would have been cool and something weird and different. Yeah. I think they ended up doing it like a strip club or something like that, but. Um, that was one, uh, Jeff, the, I had an incident one time with Jeff, the brotherhood where I go, I lost them to another venue. I don't want to say lost them because I don't own them, but they just didn't hit me up or they hit me up and it just didn't work out and they got booked somewhere else. That was one. Um, who else? There's some other stuff. Josh Rosenstein books a lot of shows with me. He, um, he, he can get some bigger stuff, but I think we've had some things kind of fall through like the Baroness thing before where like. You know, there's another promoter in town, and Josh, it'd be funny. They'll like email me, they'll email Josh, they'll email like Ray, or they'll email somebody else. And I don't think everybody knows that they're all talking to each other. And then I'll have like Josh email me, and I'll have Ray email me, and I'll be like, "You guys know that they emailed me, and you guys are both emailing me." Um, Ray's been doing all, a lot of his shows down at the Mothlight, and Josh does some of his at the Mothlight. But he and I have such a good working relationship. Um, he has had some stuff come through that we just couldn't make work. Um, like he'll be like, Hey man, you have this date for some, like how in the hell are we going to pay them? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no, we'd have to charge like $35 tickets. Uh, True. That'd be steep yeah. at the auditorium. I mean, it's steep anywhere, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's just not like you, $35, you want to have somewhere like you have room to move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't know, Jason. There's got to be some people I missed out on. The big boy thing kind of just popped in my head because it was funny. Um, there was someone that we were in that we were talking to trying to play the bar. Who the hell was it? And if I could have made it work, it would have been like this crazy ass thing. I just couldn't make it work. I can't remember who it was. So um, I thought the Tim Capello thing, the guy from the Lost Boys, was going to be, uh, I thought he was going to be like super egotistical and want a ton of money. But he didn't, and he was the best guy, one of the best people I've ever worked with in my life, super nice guy. Um, and that was like a straight home run on all sides. But I don't know, man. I mean, like, you know, we're not really a place where a lot of huge folks are hitting us up. I really have to just chase after it. You ever get any, like, pretty big comedians, like, hit you up for any any dates? Well, we had the, we had the Sean Patton guy one time, and that was through Melissa, I think. Uh, Melissa model face. She does model face comedy. I think that's what it's called. He's pretty big now. Like he's on comedy central and stuff like that. Um, we have a lot of bigger folks in the drag scene. So, you know, that, uh, I don't know if you're how in tune you're in with that, but there's basically like a show on Amazon prime called Dragula. And I think it's on Netflix too. And one of the folks that, yeah, I think my wife watched that actually. Yeah. One of the folks that is a regular and that helps me book a lot of the drag shows was on that show. And so we've had a lot of bigger drag folks come through the bar and that's been awesome. Um, but comedians, I don't really like to book them, man. Like we did the open mic comedy night and I just, it's just not a, it's been weird, man. Like I even booked my buddy Austin Lucas one time. He's like a killer, like punk acoustic country guy. And he, he booked a show with kind of a bigger comedian and it was okay. I just, I don't think it's the room for it, man. Gotcha. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. If somebody like uh, Kyle Kinane or somebody hit me up or something, I'd probably be into it. But it's just not my scene, I think. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I know that um, Bobcat Goldthwait like, played the Mothlight, uh, well, say not too long ago, whenever shit was happening in town, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, yeah. that was pretty cool for that size room to yeah. have him. Yeah, that would be awesome. But um, – Usually for something like that to work, I'd either have to offer some crazy amount of money or have to know them personally and then like be like, okay, we'll piggyback on whatever show you're doing. I think what the situation I'm thinking of in the head that I can't remember who it was, I think it was a situation like that where they were going to play a show in town and it was going to be like, hey, will you do another night at the auditorium? And it just didn't work out, but I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. You should hit up, uh, you should hit up Dave Chappelle doing after show next time he's in town. All his specials are like really small rooms. It's like it might work. I don't know. He might do it. Like, yeah. I don't think yeah, I, mean, he, I don't think he would like scoff at you. He might be like, "No, nah, I need at least this much." But I don't yeah. know, man. I think there would be a good chance because he's like into that really like in- intimate uh, stuff, also as well as like the big arenas. So I mean, I don't know what to do, but you know, I would I would shoot if I was if I was in your position, I would try it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, and I learned very early in life, and it's just, it goes like with a lot of other things. I mean, not just booking bands or booking shows. You can't be afraid to ask. Like, some of the coolest shit that we've had come through the bar um, is just me asking folks, hey, do you want to come play here? Like, or 
this, I've got this crazy idea where I know you're playing somewhere else in town or close to town. Do you want to come up here and do something wild in this little venue? Like, I mean, you just can't be afraid to ask folks. Um, I'm actually flipping through right now to see, cause I'm clearly, I'm just forgetting a bunch of shit that we've booked over the years. But, um, <laughs> no, we, I mean, we've had bigger folks come in there, but, um, but that's kind of why I love the auditorium, man. It's like a place for everybody, right? Like it's a place for small bands, big bands, if they can play there. All right. Well, I'll move on to the next question here. So the fundraiser aspects you're doing, like the, um, the t-shirt, mm-hmm. which my wife bought one. It's pretty oh, killer. Yeah. And uh, the compilation that we're on um, mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Are you planning on doing another compilation series? pretty soon you know, you know it's so the compilation actually took off man it did a little had a little action um i i had the idea you know obviously like we the owners jason myself we have meetings and we have meetings with the staff too and it's like clearly we'd have zero money coming in right now you know like we still have to pay rent yep. we still have to pay all this stuff like we just like it's just bars are never going to be able to open again it feels like and um, we have to have something, right? So a lot of our peers were kind of turning towards just going straight GoFundMe out of the gate. Um, but I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity for us to have a compilation album of bands that have played the bar over the years and bands that I love working with. Let me just reach out and see if they'd be into it. And they were. And then I did have some folks hit me up about doing a second one. So I might, if anything, Jason, I think what I'm going to do is going forward, like when I have shows booked for the summer, is put out compilations of all the bands that might be playing or something like that. And then just not sell it, just make it like a streaming thing. So it's kind of opened yeah. my eyes up to that. But I think like, I think the compilation album turned out great, man. Cause it's all bands that I love and it all kind of made sense. And it represents who we did. And the fact that toy, uh, you know, Keith did the introduction on the album and this like super weird, awesome retro Disney thing going on there. Like it just worked out perfect, man. Yeah. And I can't thank you enough for, you guys doing it because the song you put on there it really rips and i listened to it like 800 times so (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it man yeah Yeah, uh when we get the uh when we get the mix and master version back i'll send i'll send it to you i mean it probably won't sound too much different it'd be a little louder and more crisp but yeah it's it's pretty much a demo right i was like i was like this "This doesn't sound like a demo yeah this sounds great i called it a demo because it's not been mixed or mastered yet it's just like tracks thrown together just for us to listen to while, while we wait. So it's kind of demo as far as like that goes, but yeah, I mean, it's really not, it's done, you know, but yeah, I hope people dig it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think last I list, it was like over 18. I can just look, it was the, it had raised almost a thousand dollars, you know, in the first couple of weeks that we had it up. So that was really, yeah, that was really nice. Um, also, you know, we used the same design that Crystal did for the f- art for the T-shirts. And I, she just knocked it out of the park with the artwork. Um, and it was like everything that it needed to be. And then we're also throwing in the mix the live streams. Yep. That's all I was going to ask you about next. Yep. So, oh, before I forget, it's had 1,800 plays since the last 30 days. It's pretty good to me. I'm all into okay. that. Yep. Um, anyway, so... We had an idea to have live band, to have bands stream their shows from the auditorium. You know, a lot of bands are streaming shows from like their practice space, which is super cool. But we wanted to have a thing where we could have bands come in that we like to work with, preferably metal bands for the for the time being, 
Um, Elijah's going to act as host and interview folks, and we're going to have like a live set. So we had three bands on board. The first one was As Sick As Us. They were going to kick it off. They just canceled their um, episode that was supposed to hit this week, which I don't know when folks are going to be listening to this. Due to the protests, they didn't want to take the light away from that, which I, we totally understood. So we're just postponing that to a later date. So the first episode is actually going to be um, Red Dwarf, which is a newer band in town who have played the bar a couple times. They're great. Um, that's the 13th. And then we are doing you guys the following Saturday. And hopefully everything works out. We've got someone lined up that does audio mixing and video stuff. So I hope it's seamless where it can just run straight into Facebook and folks. But, you know, like I wanted to have a way where with the compilation uh, and with the streams, we can kind of keep the auditorium's name out there so folks don't forget about us. And we can also keep some bands doing something so folks, you know, their their names are still out there as well. <clears throat> we're pretty excited when you asked us like we haven't played last though sunday was the first time we played in like three or four months i don't even, i don't even know at this point we've just been like we've been like sending riffs back and forth to each other and i got an electric drum set and i just like record to it and send it out and you know just kind of oh, nice. just kind of play around that way but it, nothing beats being all together for sure I forgot how much I missed it until I got to do it again. I was like, fuck these electric drums, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I went to go down and play them last night. I was like, man, this, this sucks. I mean, not really, oh, but no, you know, yeah. it's just better playing with everybody. But yeah, we're pretty stoked yeah, about I the uh, live stream opportunity. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Hopefully, you know, there won't be many kinks. Um, the guy that's doing it runs a recording studio in town. He's really smart at what he does. Hopefully, I mean, it should just be, it should be pretty cool. Like, I think it's going to be, I think he's bringing a person with him that's going to be like either manning another camera or doing something. So, yeah, I'm hoping in theory it makes sense in my head. So hopefully, hopefully with something that we can continue doing if we are not able to open the bar up anytime soon. So. Well, another reason we were excited too is because we don't really have anything like that, like playing in like a studio or like a situation. Oh, yeah. Like this is going to yeah. be. So it's there forever too, which is, which is pretty cool too for us. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited all the way around about it, man. I can't wait to start promoting it and stuff. And actually we're going to debut a live song and then have it for sale on our band camp right afterwards. So maybe we maybe oh, awesome. get some momentum uh, going that way too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll push that out this week and then, uh, yeah, we'll push it. I think it's going to be good, man. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited just to play somewhere else besides home or more our practice space, too. It's be nice to remember how to pack my drums up and stuff. It's been so long. I, we haven't played out since uh, last year, Steel and Stone, dude. So we've been oh, yeah. a little on the lazy yeah, side. But in all honesty, I didn't see all this coming. So, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of no, came, came and stayed. And I mean, yeah, and I mean, there were some new kids in the mix, too, right? Yeah, I got a 16 month old, and Micah has a 14 month old now. So yeah, it, so. in a way, it wasn't too bad because like those are pretty pivotal times, and I didn't have to like mm-hmm. miss anything. I mean, I know just playing a night here and there, but you know the practice and stuff too adds up. But you know, it just it kind of hit at a good time, I guess. But I'm getting the itch, man. Like I really need to go out and play again. It's just like kind of getting to me. I feel I feel like we don't do we're not doing anything, even though we are. Just we can't go out and showcase anything or book shows out of town or, you know, stuff like that. So, 
No, absolutely. I get it 100%. Well, cool, man. Um, so I don't want to make this too long of an interview. So I guess that's pretty much all the questions I had, really. I mean, um, the shirt's for sale on the web, on the auditorium Facebook, right? Yes. Um, I think it, you okay. can find it there. You can, if anything, look on the Instagram or Facebook. You'll be able to link right to it. I think it's a pre-order. We're okay. scooping up as many as we can before we print them out. But yeah, yeah, that I mean, is a killer shirt, man. Like, pretty excited what, about it. Who was that artist uh, name again? It's Crystal at Nvidia Tattoo. Okay. And the um, let me look and see. She's on Instagram. I think that's the way she wanted me to present her to folks. And I think it was. It's at Crystal, K-R-Y-S-T-A-L underscore NVIDIA, I-N-V-I-D-I-A. She's the one that did the cover art and T-shirt art and knocked it yeah, out of the park. Yeah, it's pretty cool, 100%. man. 100%. I, re- yeah. I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was, yeah. like, a really good representation of the, like, whole atmosphere of the bar. And not to mention, like, the, the outline of the building was, like, spot on. Like, even down <laughs> to the... Uh, even down to the marquee and stuff, I was like, "Damn, that's that's pretty good, man." I, I really, I dug that. I thought it was pretty killer. It was crazy, man. It looked so good. I mean, we yep. knew she was going to do a great job, but I was just like, "Whoa!" Totally blew my mind. Yeah, my wife, my wife bought it, and then she told me afterwards, she's like, "I hope we don't get mad. I spent twenty bucks on something." I was like, "I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get mad at twenty bucks. I mean, it's something we don't need. It might be a little annoying, but." She's like, I, I bought the shirt for the auditorium. I was like, oh, sweet. She's like, yeah, I got it one size bigger so we could both wear it. I was like, well, I mean, you didn't have to do that, but, you know, but thanks. Awesome, man. <laughs> so, yeah, tell your wife <laughs> so thank I'll, you so much. Yeah, maybe I'll sport it at the uh, live stream or something if it comes in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I got to look and see when we're killing the uh, pre sale, but yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, man. Well, like I hope I hope nothing too bad happens as far as like debt or stuff for the bar. I know, mm-hmm. I know Jason has some unfavorable things to say about the situation as far as like the other party involved. I won't go no further than that, mm-hmm. but it was back about a month ago when I was over there, man. It sounded like a little disheartening to see hear what was going on and stuff. So I really hope uh, I really hope it survives, you know, and stays put for many, many, yeah. many, many, many. Many years to come. You know, we always have the conversation with Amy and Tammy. It's like, please let us know if you're ever, you know, thinking about ever closing the bar. And they have never given, they have always been like, we have no intention. So I'm hoping it's here to stay. So, yeah, me too. I mean, even after I get done playing in bands and stuff, well, I'll grow up one day, I guess. But um, <laughs> I'll still, I'll still go because there'll still be metal music there. And like, you know, it's just, yeah. it's the most, it's the most, um, active place to go hear metal music. Like as far as frequency goes in over anywhere in town, like Fleetwoods has every once in a while. And I've never been to 27 club, but I hear there they have it somewhat too, but mm-hmm. the auditorium is just like, you know, it's a good chance like on a Friday or Saturday or both, there's going to be at least one night of metal, you know? So it's always Absolutely. like a sure thing. Yeah, you can guarantee almost every first Friday of the month we'll have a metal show. So is that is that usually the way it goes first Friday? Well, you know, it's usually like I've got a rhythm now. So the first Friday of the month is usually a metal show. 
the sec- the first Saturday of the month could be a metal show, but then the second Friday of the month is typically the medieval nights, the curious folk medieval nights. And then the third Friday yeah. is usually a metal show. And then the fourth Friday is usually the kink night um, where people I come imagine. out and get freaky on each other. Yeah. The fetish night. Yeah. Which do, which are insane, man. They are in like the, the turnouts are insane. My wife wants to go to one. I've never been to one. I'm just like, ah, maybe I'll go one day. I mean, they don't know somebody there, but yeah, we never, we like never have been. <laughs> your high school principal or but, something. Um, <laughs> no, it's not really that. She just wants to go to like people watch. I'm like, yeah, we'll go, and then yeah. we just don't. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah. But no, speaking of the uh, the medieval knights guys, like uh, you know the uh, Warriors of Ash uh, fighting group. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but out here where I live, there was a bunch of property went up for sale, like pretty close around each other. And uh, I saw their truck parked down at one of the pieces that sold not too long ago. So what my hopes are is um, they're going to use that for like um, doing like Renaissance fairs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I really hope what they do is they build a big stage way back in that holler and start having music. Because the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to drive in there. I'm going to be like, hey, if you want a band to play that's local, I mean, you can't get no more local than half a mile of the road. (laughs) That's so true. We need to play the stage, and I'm not taking no for an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I will fight you for the opportunity. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I mean, if that's them that bought it, like I know the land pretty well because I used to like do tobacco and stuff with my dad and another guy that used to raise it down there. It goes back in there pretty far, and it's pretty nice. Like back in there, it would be a pretty killer place for a. Outdoor uh, stage and uh, Renaissance fairs too, and that's LARPing because because my wife told me she saw a bunch of people LARPing down there one time. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, that's pretty cool. And then a few <laughs> months later, I saw the truck there. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense now. I I understand what's going on here. So <laughs> I'm keeping my eye out and hopefully I'll catch them down there one day and uh, talk to them and be like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you should think about it. It'd be fun because we think about a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, we sing a lot about these themes anyway, you know, all the damn Nordic and barbaric stuff, you know, our songs seem to ro- rotate around. So, yeah. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah, it would be awesome. But, all right, man, I've took over an hour of your time, and I do appreciate it talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff about booking venues and, you know, whatnot, because it's an important part of the live music uh, ecosystem, dude. It just needs to be needs to be heard and if other bands ever hear this and get some uh, hints on, you know, how to get their foot yeah. in the door or what not to do in an email or, you know, what the thought process is when you're asked to open. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hope that folks listen to this and I hope that they want to do a show. So, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, it's an excellent uh, first first show or 10th show or hundredth show. I mean, hell, we've played a lot and we still play there. I don't care what I don't usually care what spot we get. As long as they let us in, man, I'm I'm pretty happy. So <laughs> Yeah, man. Always got a home at the auditorium. It's nice to play other venues every once in a while too for change of scenery, but you know, the auditorium is always the first one we think of when we're just like we need to get a local show. It's like I'll just hit up Matt because A, it's you know, guaranteed I'll get response, you know, and yeah. B it's just like, well, you know, the shows are usually pretty good, so why not? You know. Oh yeah, 
I love you guys, man. I hope you, you know, keep doing it. So there's no end in sight right now. The only thing that's going to end us is uh, old age or arthritis. And that would be me because I'm the <laughs> oldest and I have arthritis. So, yeah, it's all up to me. <laughs> oh, Which <yeah>. kind of sucks. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, 40, uh, 40 has definitely been a year to remember, man. I have to say it's not quite as, didn't go quite as planned for sure. Yeah. Hey, you're still kicking, man. You're doing it. Yep. Still out there. Driving my wife crazy. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> she knew what she was getting into when she met me. So I don't feel too bad if she's listening. <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you go, dude. Right, I appreciate your time. And, uh, man, just yeah. talking about uh, talking about booking and stuff, man. It needs to be heard. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you, man, man. Take care. And uh, hopefully we will see you in a couple weeks at the live stream. Absolutely. All right, man. Later, Jason. Take care, and uh, we'll holler at you later. Thank you for listening to the Alehorn Podcast. For more of this podcast and other podcasts in the Alehorn Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Alehorn. Subscriptions start at a dollar, and each tier gets you greater perks, such as exclusive Patreon-only podcasts, free song downloads, merch discounts, and more. Until next time, stay headless.